Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi. Can I help you find something? Librarians specialize in helping you find what you were looking for. And sometimes what you didn't know you were looking for. Thank you for joining me as I talk to my guests about all things library, including the books inside them. I'm Julie Chavez, and this is Ask a Librarian. Guys, I'm so excited to tell you about today's guest, Dr. Jeffrey Bennett. Dr. Bennett is an astrophysicist and an author whose expertise includes math and science education for all ages, astrophysics, quantitative reasoning, and the science of global warming. In addition to selling over 2 million textbooks, on which he was lead author, he's the author of seven books for children, and six of those books have been read from the International Space Station to the children of Earth. He's also the author of critically acclaimed books for the general public on topics including, among others, global warming, the search for extraterrestrial life, and Einstein's theory of relativity. Talking to him was mind-expanding in the best way. I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. You can learn more about him at jeffreybennett.com and bigkidscience.com. Here is my conversation with Dr. Jeffrey Bennett. Good morning, Dr. Bennett. Good morning, Julie. Thanks so much for having me here. Thank you for being here. I am so thrilled to chat with you today. I am so excited. Your publicist reached out to me about Totality, and I have since spent a lot of time looking through your website, which is fantastic. It's so impressive. There are so many resources there. And so I'm excited to talk all things space and science with you today. Awesome. Yeah. And I love, as we were getting started, you and I both have a Colorado connection, and it turns out we were both at the University of Colorado at the same time. Yes, except for I was much older. (laughs) (laughs) Just a skosh, just a tiny bit. I love it. And I wasn't taking astronomy classes because, to be honest, I was in the life science area, and astronomy, physics, that side has always intimidated me a little bit. I feel like conceptually it's more challenging, but is that a myth? Is that just a lie I've told myself over the years? That's a myth. Yes. It's, <laughs> okay. It's a question of where you put your focus. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a good way to say it. Okay. Well, let's start with, like I was saying about your website, I was looking through it, so many resources, and I really was moved by your personal statement. Oh, thank you. I thought it was so well-written. And in it, you talked about the discordance between knowledge and understanding, and especially as it relates to science and technology. Would you talk a little bit more about that? I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Sure. You know, well, first, since you mentioned that, I'll point out that that personal statement is what, you know, sometimes it's called a mission statement. Yes. So I will just encourage everyone to write one for themselves, because for me, writing that, which I, the one that's posted there on my website is 
I wrote it back when I was in grad school okay. and I did it as an exercise in order to help me figure out what I wanted to do next. Mm-hmm. And it has served me throughout my career. I, whenever I'm facing some sort of decision, I go back to that and I say, well, which one fits with my, what I said I care about? And it helps me make those decisions. And I think it will work for anyone. I've talked to lots of people about uh, mission statements. And, and I think everyone who's done one has said, yeah, this really helps when it comes time to make a decision about what's next in your career. I'm glad that you said that, though, because that is such a good point about intention and having a vision forward. So is that the same statement that you crafted in grad school? Have you changed it at all? You know, I, I go back and look at it every few years. Okay. And But I would say that other than maybe a word or two, I haven't changed it in at least 30 plus years now. That is beautiful. You know, I think once you decide what you really care about and what you want to focus on, you know, people go through lots of career changes, but I don't think what you're all about really changes. And that's why it's so useful to have written it down and remind yourself of it when you're facing some sort of decision. You know, a lot of people make a pro and a con list, but those tend to be based on very material sorts of things, right? And immediate things. Whereas that mission statement is focused more on, you know, what, what do you want your life to be about? And so I think it really helps to have it and remind yourself, yes, that's why I'm in this, you know, place in my life. Here's where I want to go next. Okay. Fantastic. I'm going to go. I will be doing that. I think that that's a really good exercise. So I love the encouragement. Okay. So continuing talking about the discourse between knowledge and understanding. Well, yeah, I think, you know, it's very easy to absorb a bunch of facts, but less easy to, to really get a sense of them. And, and this is, it really gets to, uh, you know, what, what I like to call the cosmic perspective, which is why my astronomy textbook has that as its title, yes. the cosmic perspective, because it's very easy to say, okay, we live on this planet called Earth. Pretty much these days, everybody knows that. <laughs> right. Everybody knows that it rotates every day and goes around the sun every year. But to absorb the fact that that means something that should have an impact on our perspective, on ourselves and our species and our planet, on how we treat each other, all those things. Most people haven't thought through those implications. And it's very profound, especially in a case like that, where you consider that for most of human history, people generally assume we were the center of the universe. And now we know we're not. But in a lot of ways, our, our cultures uh, developed around the idea that we're super important mm-hmm. and more important than the other people around us. And now, scientifically, we know that's not the case. Yes. And we need to absorb those lessons into the way we live our lives. I really liked the point that you made about that. And then also that policymakers need to have that same sort of perspective because of their impact on those things. I really appreciate hearing that. And it's a good reminder in so many areas. I can know things, but do I have an understanding and do I let it impact the choices that I make? Right. Okay. Well, I really, that resonated with me for sure. The other question I had about that when you were talking about quantitative literacy and how people need to be able to read and absorb what they're reading. And I have to confess, I read astrophysics for people in a hurry a while back, but I had to give up after the first chapter. And I mean, Neil deGrasse Tyson, great, but I was like, (laughs) 
<laughs> this is, I don't know what's happening. There are too many quarks and I'm going to put this on the shelf for later. <laughs> and I saved it, you know, hoping I can go back. But so I've got two questions about that. Where would you recommend starting for someone that has zero baseline coming to science or, you know, close to zero, someone who's only taken maybe the very basics in school and don't feel like they have any competence around that. Where would you say they start to become more scientifically literate? Well, you know, there's so many different ways to, to come at this. And it depends on what, excuse me, what kind of time you want to put into it. You know, like I said, like in my astronomy textbook, we really take the time to lead people through all those steps, starting with getting that sense of the numbers and the scale of things and so on all the way out. Yes. But, you know, that's meant for a, a semester or a full year of fairly in-depth study. If you've yes. got that time, you know, it's a great way to, to do something. I think that's part of the problem you had with astrophysics in a hurry is it, it is a little bit difficult to do it in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you already have a bunch of that. That makes me feel much better because I started and I was like, this is, I, I have to give up. I got to put this away. Sorry. Now, I would say Neil's Cosmos series is an updated series of Carl Sagan's original series, the video yes. show. That's a different story. That goes through 13 episodes. And there, it, it takes a little more time leading mm. you through things. I would actually, if you have the time, recommend starting with Carl Sagan's original. Cosmos? Which, okay. Yes, which actually is a bit slower because it didn't have commercials. So he's got a full hour on each episode, whereas Neil only actually had about 40 minutes for each episode because they had commercials. Of course they did. Um, so he had to do it more in a hurry than, <laughs> than Carl did. There's a real theme that's emerging here. Yes, but both those are, are outstanding and they'll really get you through that. And of course, for me, if you don't mind the plug, you can also start with my children's books, which actually go into a fair amount of depth on the science, even though they're aimed at children. And if you were to go through all seven of those, you'd have a pretty solid background in space and astronomy by the time you were done. I could not agree more. I loved Totality, which is your most recent offering in the series. And I feel like I only want to say it in a super excited voice because it has an exclamation point. <laughs> so every time I think totality, <laughs> but <laughs> I loved the way that you put it together. So do you want to tell us about that book a little bit? How did it come about? And just tell us a little bit about that most recent one. Sure. Well, totality is obviously about eclipses, solar eclipses in particular, but about the signs of eclipses in general. Yes. This was actually a tough book for me. Um, really? Yeah. Well, because it's got a rhyme and I've never done a rhyme before. Yes. So that was really challenging. And in fact, I originally started to work on this before the 2017 eclipse, which okay. did you get to go see that one? No. You didn't see totality. Terrible. Oh, no. See, oh, but yeah. I, I will say after reading this book, I'm like, guys, we have something to do on April 8th, 2024. You, I you mean, do, and everybody does. Yes. yes. Quite an amazing thing. And so before the 2017 eclipse, well, let me just back up. Because I'm yeah. an astronomer and I focus on education and outreach, a total eclipse is in any given place a relatively rare event. The 2017 one was the first one in the United States in the... Uh, since 1979. Wow. And then we had one in 2017. We got another one coming up in 2024. 
But then it's not until 2045 for another one. So they're rare events, but they're events that millions of people will be on the path of totality just by virtue of where they live. Many millions more will travel to the path. And so as an astronomy education outreach person, this is a really unique opportunity to say, that fact understanding thing you were just talking about. Yes. Sure, you're going to see this amazing thing, but are you thinking about what it means in the scope of the history of humanity, what it means about our understanding of the universe, what it means about what we can do with science when we put science to good uses rather than negative uses? So it's an opportunity to get people to really think about all those things. So back for 2017, the first thing I wanted to do was write a book. So I started working on this book and okay. with the rhyme and I quickly realized I, I just couldn't get it to work. <laughs> so I put it aside and came back to it fairly recently. And I got it to work this time with the help from a lot of friends. And, Good. and then the other part of it was the app. And that actually came about a bit by accident. I was looking for an app that would help you plan an a eclipse trip give you all the details about where what you're going to see and where there are some websites that do that sure but i couldn't find an app that did and you know if you're out traveling you need it on your phone you don't have your laptop with you correct and so i actually reached out to all the people who who write eclipse code and said do any of you have an app or are you planning one only one of the people responded he said he wasn't planning one but he wished he could so i said well how about if we work together and Xavier Hubier, he's actually based in France. He has an interactive Eclipse website. And uh, so he wrote the code. I put together the team to, to create the app and we put okay. it out there and it's completely free. Um, I've just turned it over to the American Astronomical Society. So it'll be their app now. So anybody can download it. It's free of charge, show you things. And the book then is tied in with the app. Same title, Totality is the name of the app. It's also the name of the book. And so the goal is to try to get, first of all, everybody who's on the path to make sure they will go outside and see it yes. and understand what's going on. And secondly, to try to get everyone else to think about making a trip to the path. And thirdly, even if you don't get to the path, make sure you see the partial eclipse and start to understand and appreciate all these other aspects that go along with it. Yes, I really, well, and the app is so clever. Like that's a perfect idea. And what a great accompaniment to the book and has such practical things. But yeah, I was thinking the same thing that, you know, you have a a point in the book. And I also like how don't, I don't want anyone to think that it's too juvenile because of the rhyme, because there is a ton in here. And I was reading through it and you know, yammering facts at my husband, which he always really appreciates. But, and he's actually more of the space oriented one of the two of us. So he really did. He said, wow, that's amazing. I was telling him the story about the Greek armies that saw an eclipse and just signed a peace treaty. And they're like, we can't, we're going home. So I think it's so interesting to think about, like you said, what does the eclipse signify on all these different levels and all the things we understand about our world? especially that we didn't in history. So I really loved the way that you put the perspective in and the book has so much at every different level. So young kids can read it and appreciate what's going to happen. And then people like me who maybe are 
trying a little harder on their scientific knowledge and understanding can read it. So you really did a great job of kind of marrying all the levels and then also, but the goal of it is very clear. And I really, I really liked it. I can't, I mean, I found myself thinking, okay, we gotta, we gotta go to Indiana. Apparently (laughs) it looks like they're getting a big hit. Yeah, there's a the path that you'll see on the map there. It goes from actually comes out of Mexico up through uh, San Antonio, Austin, Dallas, and on up through Cleveland and all the way up through the Northeast. You know, the, the biggest trick for people will be finding the place where the skies are clear. It's April, so okay. April in the Northeast can be tricky. Yes. Um, but, you know, the thing with the weather, of course, is you never know. So you might get lucky, but you go with statistics. So if you're, if you're on the path, you live there on the path, I would just stay where you are and be ready to drive a bit if the clouds are in a different spot. Yes. And if you're anywhere else and planning the trip, then I would look at probabilities and also convenience. If you've got relatives in Indiana, go visit them because yes. that's easy, right? I'm going to go to Texas because on average, there's a chance of clear skies is best. Yes. Okay. um, I was just going to ask where you were going to view it from. That's exciting. Okay. So Texas is on your list for 2024. That's, yep. That's where I'm planning to be, but also because I have relatives in Austin. So that makes it another reason to go, you know, we want to go visit them anyway. So yeah. That's so. perfect. I really think that this is such an encouragement for that to to enjoy that event and appreciate it too. That's a cool opportunity, I think, especially for young people. I have a question for you just about in general. I feel like astronomy sometimes gets a little bit of not a bad rap, but I know a lot of people who are overwhelmed by the vastness of space and that that thought is sort of stress-inducing for them. Is there a different way to frame that? That I don't know. Is there a different way to frame that? Because I do, I have some people, mostly like my mom, who I love very much, who will refuse to watch movies set in space. She finds them too stressful. <laughs> so, And of course, probably space movies are not where to start. <laughs> but how would you, what would you say to someone that says that? Well, I think, you know, there, maybe there's sort of two separate issues there of what yes. you talked about. Yes, One is the, the sort of space movie type stress and things like that. My wife is the same way. The movie Gravity freaked her out, you know, <sighs> with Sandra Bullock there yes. and everything. And, you know, that part of it kind of makes some sense, right? Because space travel would be stressful. It would be yes. very dangerous. It's not an environment that we humans are adapted Yes. And therefore, you know, you're completely dependent on these systems that you carry up with you. And if any of them fail, you're in big trouble. So, yeah, space travel is intimidating and for good reason. Yes. I'm a big fan of it. I think we should be doing more of it. But you can't get away from the fact that it's there's going to be danger there in space travel. and It is going to be an intimidating endeavor. Now, the other part you asked about was was kind of that cosmic perspective. Yes. When you think about how tiny we are in the universe, it can make us seem small and insignificant. But you can turn that around. And in fact, I think the first quote I read on this goes back to like the 1910s or 20s, and I forget who it was. Okay. But, but, but it's basically that at the moment, since we do not yet know of any other life out there in the universe or any other intelligent beings out there in the universe, the universe, the only way the universe knows it exists is because 
of us. The we have discovered the universe, and we have therefore, because we're part of the universe, the universe knows it exists through us. And that switches it all around. That turns wow. us into something very important to the universe, right? Because without us, the universe would not be self-aware. It wouldn't know that it existed. But because of us, the universe has self-awareness. And if we take that self-awareness and we think, wow, it's important to be self-aware for the universe as well as for us, and say, well, how should that affect us, knowing that we're the self-awareness of the universe? You know, then you start to get to some powerful ideas. It means we should probably work pretty hard not to wipe ourselves out. <laughs> then the universe would no longer be self-aware. Yes. Um, we should make sure we can all get along with each other because we're all part of that self-awareness of the universe. None of us is any more of it than any other. So there's a lot that goes into that. But yes, you can switch it around in that way. Yes. I am going to be thinking about that all day, that we are creating the self-awareness of the universe. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of a big deal. That's what I'm going to be saying to my kids exactly. later. Hey, everyone. That's what you know. I, I'm really, And you're right about the space travel. That's a good point to untangle those two, because I think also anything, you know, sort of Hollywood-ized. But I have to ask, did you like the movie Interstellar? I did. Okay. I, I, I liked it a lot, but it is difficult to, to follow if you're not familiar with, with relativity and, and the ideas that are in that. Um, yes. I have a book on that, you know, so. We're going to add that to the list. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to be purchasing your entire collection <laughs> without a doubt, because it is so impressive. I can't wait to share it in the library, but to have it for me too, especially someone who has sort of you know, it's easy to let myself off the hook, right? Like, well, I don't, I don't need to know that, but actually I do need to know that. And it is an important and life-giving knowledge for me. It's not just a need to, it's a, I get to and right. have that sort of awareness. Well, you know, I like to think of it as, you know, I just, I just finished reading the book, uh, Sapiens. I don't know if you. Oh, and I have not cracked the one. spine on that one. No, but continue. And Should uh, I? from your life science background, yeah, I think you'll really enjoy okay. it. Okay. But you know, he, he makes this point about what he calls fictions. So I won't go into detail, but it's the same thing that I've talked about is, as the real world versus the imagined world. And, and the real world is the universe, the earth, the atmosphere, the oceans, all that. The imagined world is things that only exist in the human mind. And interestingly, right. that's pretty much everything we think about. The economy politics, all of that. Yes. If yes. we weren't here, those things would not exist. They have no reality in the universe. They only have a reality. They only exist in the human mind. And yes. that's fine that we spend 99% of our time living in this imagined world that we've created. Sure. It's okay. But if you forget that that can't exist without that real world, then you do things like go and damage the real world. Like what yes. Yes global warming and, and other things. So it's very important to re keep your, you know, eye on the fact that we have this dependence on that real world and the universe around us. And that's why it's so important, I think, for everyone to learn these things about the universe and the world around us, because otherwise you're missing out on the vital systems that we depend on. Yes. Gosh, that is such a profound truth. And 
It's so true. Okay, well, I'll pick up that book. And also, when you were discussing the imaginary sides, that's how I feel about cryptocurrency. Anytime somebody <laughs> says that, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> right, right. The, well, the economy's already imagined. Exactly. Mind, and now you've imagined something on top of that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole with you <laughs> today. <laughs> I'm glad we agree. Yes. Imagination squared. There we go. Yes. Oh. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You were saying earlier that you would like to see more space travel. Is that, why is that? Because it increases our knowledge or what is it about that that you think is a priority? You know, I think that it's increasing our knowledge is certainly part of it. Yes. But you could do that with just robots, right? Okay. Yeah. An unpersoned spacecraft. The James Webb Space Telescope does is doing incredible things. There's no yes. people on it. The Mars rovers are doing incredible things. There's no people on it. But um, you know, kids, especially if you're focused on kids, when kids are thinking about what they want to be when they grow up, they don't think I want to be a robot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so I think it's very important for people to be involved in in these things. And of course, we are people run these projects. And so that's inspiring too, but to also to go there. And then the other part of it, I think, is this real looking back. Mm. And, you know, the Apollo astronauts really kind of talked about that a lot when they went there. And, and this sort of idea that uh, I described in the beginning of Max goes to the moon of if, if we were all working together up on the moon, any child anywhere in the world can look up in space, look up at the moon and say, gosh, people from all different countries are working together up there. What's our problem down here? Mm. And I think in just a very, not a very direct way, but in sort of one of those uh, feeling type ways, it would change the way we think about things, knowing that we're all working together up there. Now, of course, that assumes that we do that that way that we build an international base and we do all work together and hopefully that's the way we'll go about it. Yeah. But I think if we did, it would it would have an impact on the way everybody deals with each other. Yeah. You're right. That cosmic perspective, just leaning into that a little bit more and seeing more examples of that that are not necessarily explicit. You're right, but just more of a this this is how this can work. Right. Yeah. And, you know, going back to the original Apollo missions, yeah. you know, when, when Apollo 11 landed on the moon, you know, humans have a history of exploration, right? Yes. And most of that exploration has happened with consequences that were not 
so great, right? Particularly people who lived in the places where the so-called explorers were now going. Yes, yes. Sorry about the smallpox, everyone. Right. For exactly. example. Yes. And then, okay. uh, when when we went to the moon, you know, Neil Armstrong stepped out and he said, "That's you know one giant leap for all of mankind. Yes. Say for me or for Americans." You know, he yeah. said everyone and they left a plaque on the moon that said we came in peace for all mankind. And there's never in history before that I know of been a case where someone went out and did something like that and said, this wasn't me. This was for all of you. And I think that was really an incredible thing to have Absolutely. happen. And I think it set the tone for what hopefully space travel will always be about. Yes, I really that is very inspiring to think about. I also love speaking of space, people in space and space travel, story time from space. How did that come about? I think that is so cool. So story time from space was started by Patricia Tribe, who okay. had, at the time was the head of education at the Johnson Space Center, and Alvin Drew, an astronaut. And the way she tells me the story, they were having dinner one night together. And she said, you know, what about having astronauts read books from orbit? And Alvin said, oh, I'm sure we've done that before. And then they checked and turned out no one had done it before. And then they said, well, let's look into doing it. And Alvin said, no, let's not, because then we'd have to go through all sort of official channels. I'm on the next mission. Let's just do it. I and love it. And his colleagues said, we're going to read some books during our free time that they have uh, in, in the upcoming mission. And yeah. then I got a phone call from them telling me what they were doing. I didn't believe it at first. They're telling <laughs> me that they want to read my book from space and can they have permission? I'm like, who is this? Uh, <laughs> who put you up to this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's, who's causing me a problem here? But it, then once they convinced me it was real, I was like, yeah, of course you can read my book from space. Um, they, they were already familiar with Max Goes to the Moon because yes. I'd been down to Johnson Space Center before with it. And they both love dogs and they love the space connections. So they uh, they picked it as the first book to read for the program. And it took off from there. What an honor. So how many t how many episodes have there been total or episodes or readings? You know, I don't know if you go to the Storytime from Space website, just okay. storytimefromspace.com. There's a video link. And I think there's probably at least 20 or 30 different books that have been read now, um, including all six of my prior kids' books, and Totality is being prepped for launch right now. So I'm not sure exactly when the reading will happen, but it'll happen sometime over the next year or so. That is so exciting and so cool. What an inspiring thing. I mean, I remember wanting to be an astronaut. I wanted nothing more than to go to space camp. I mean, that was high on the list. I don't know. Um, yeah. So space I feel camp like was great. And there's a teacher space camp too, you know, I, assuming they still have it, but a few years ago there was. I was not aware. I will be looking into that <laughs> because although I will say as I've gotten older, I've gotten more motion sick. So I'm going to have to find out maybe I need the patch. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah. These, are, these are problems we can overcome. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, I want to ask just as we think about I just want to ask really quick, what would be your one, I get a sense reading your, your mission statement and speaking to you, obviously our treatment of the environment is of paramount importance. 
What do you think is one action that people can take or should take right now to impact what's happening? You know, that's that's always a difficult question. I know, even though I asked it. I yeah, think continue. that there's, you have to separate out when it comes to global warming, which okay. I think overall is the, the biggest problem. Yes, let's take that, that one, yes. Face. You have to separate out the personal and the global. Okay. So global warming is a global problem, and therefore it requires global solutions. Mm-hmm. Actions that we take as individuals will contribute to that okay. solution. So any actions that you can personally do that help reduce your impact are good, and I encourage you to take them. But ultimately, because it requires global solutions, this is going to have to be dealt with at the policy level. So really, you need to vote. And you need to vote for people and policies that will do positive things for the environment. Okay. That's a good word on that, because it is, I think, both... It can be so overwhelming, I think, at times to think about just the direction we're going and sort of the impotence, I think, that you can feel. So I think you're exactly right. Educating yourself on your candidates and voting accordingly is... And especially for kids who can't vote, of course, but for kids, they can have a huge influence on their parents and others around them. We've seen that with this movement around the world, Greta Thunberg and many others, that that kids are making adults think about this because that this is their world that they're going to grow up in. And it's it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that you know our future is either bleak or bleaker. (laughs) But but it doesn't have to be that way. If we do things the right way, we can have an incredible future, including all this space travel that I've been talking about. But only if we say we have to fix things and and improve things and keep moving in a positive direction. And that's where kids can have a big impact on all of us. You're so right. I know some of the kids or some of the things that my boys have brought home from school have been a driver for change in our household or in our own family. And that. That's a powerful thing. And also what a gift to the children in your life to listen and heed what they have to say and what a message that sends to them about their agency and their power as they grow up. So I think there's a lot there. What's one, I mean, this is kind of cruel because I'm sure you have a million. What's one fun fact? Give me a fun space fact for the day that I can tell to people and annoy them with. I'm thinking like I'm checking out at Target. There's a big line behind me and I want to roll with, did you know? (laughs) All right. So the number of stars in the universe. Okay. Which based on what we now seem to understand from studies of exoplanets means there's also at least that many planets in the universe and probably that many Earth-like planets in the universe. Okay. The number of Earth-like planets in the universe is roughly the same as the number of grains of sand on all the beaches in the entire world put together. That's the number of Earth-like planets in in the the universe. universe. So now, going back to, so go down to a beach, pick up some sand, 
run it through your fingers, imagine all the sand and all the beaches of the world, and then ask yourself, is our grain the only one on which anyone has ever thought about this? Wow. And we don't know. So far, we don't know of any yeah. other people they have. But it's quite amazing to think about all the possibilities. Uh, this is why people make movies like Star Trek yes. and so on, because the possibilities are so incredible. That is amazing. That gives me goosebumps. I find that so miraculous. What a cool, okay, way to go. You delivered on that. Okay, good. <laughs> yes. And I'm not only going to tell the cashier at Target, I'm going to make sure that everyone in my vicinity stops what they're doing. And, you know, all the people in line behind me who are like, hurry up, lady, I'll say, no, wait, this is going to be worth your time. And, and also all <laughs> those other grains of sand only know that they're there because of us. Knowing oh my gosh. What a miracle. I, I do love thinking about that. Just that. Gosh. Okay. I'm going to be turning that one over the rest of the day. Thank you. That was perfect. Okay. So as we're winding down, since this is Ask a Librarian, it feels really ridiculous because I could go on and ask you about a million more questions, but do you have a librarian-ish question for me? Ah, that is a good question. I should have been prepared. I, you know, as I was saying it, I thought, did I send him an email about this? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. I'll just put you on the spot. Sure. Well, you know, I, I don't know if it'll be quite a question, but but given everything I'm seeing in the news, yes, I really appreciate everybody who's a librarian even more than I've always appreciated you because I know you're having to deal with things that you shouldn't have to deal with right now. And, yes. and I'm just so thankful to all the librarians and all the teachers out there for keeping going because the work you do, we don't give enough credit because mm -hmm. the future depends on the kids and the kids depend on you. And so without good teachers and good librarians, a future would be pretty bleak. Yeah. And so thank you for everything yeah. that you do. It is my pleasure. And I love hearing that. I really, I am very fortunate to do what I do. And it's a huge, it's a huge gift. It really is fun. And I'm pretty lucky because the library, they come for a set amount of time and then they go back to their classrooms and it, but it is, it's a joyful place. And I can't wait to get my hands on these books for our collection because I just have been so impressed with the thought you put into the material, the way that you make it accessible on multiple levels. And also, I think it really does resonate with your, your purpose, which is to spread a lot of this in, in just a very positive, joyful, action-oriented way. So I, I can't wait. I think it's going to be great for our students. And I'm looking forward to what you do next. What are you working on now? We'll close with this question. <laughs> I'm actually, uh, I've been working on my college textbooks mostly this year, all four of them. As one and, does. And <laughs> yes, yeah, got it. The, the, the real job, is, <laughs> yes. I call it, right? The kids' books are for fun. I'm gonna be focusing a lot of my time over the next couple of years on trying to help people prepare for the eclipse. So in addition to the book and the app, I'm. I have my free community visit program, which you can read about on my website, where I'll come even at my own expense if you put together a big enough program for me to speak at your schools, to the public, and so on. And uh, so that'll be a lot of my, my effort. And I'm working on a, 
an update to my global warming talks um, and probably to my book also in Global Warming Primer. It's about ready for an update as well. How long ago was that published? That the previous edition came out in 2016. So it's okay. been six years. Um, and the, the main change that's occurred that, you know, some of the data can be updated, of course. That's not sure. that big of a deal. I think the bigger change is that we've gone from at that time where the public question was, is this real? Yes. Um, so I was focusing it on, yes, here's how you know that it's real. Right. To now, I think almost everyone accepts that it's real after what we've seen the last few years. But now there is this, are we doomed question? Yes. And so want to turn the focus to no, we're not doomed, but we have to act if we yes. want to come out with that positive outcome instead of the negative ones. Well, I have to say, thank you for all that you are doing. I think this is so critical, so important, but also you have such a touch with the hope of it. And that is really great because it is tempting to want to crawl up into a ball on the floor and just stay there the rest of the day. So I think <laughs> it's good to know that there is hopeful action we can take and that we should be doing that. So I wish you all the luck. I can't wait. I want everyone to pick up Totality. It comes with two pairs of Eclipse glasses, which is great. You can download the app for free. You have an upcoming presentation at the Fisk Auditorium, correct? On October 8th. Boulder on Saturday, October 8th. That's free and it'll be especially aimed at teachers. Perfect. And we will be picking up, obviously, your entire collection. And I will be reading a global warming primer. When do you expect? So you'll start working on updating that. So will that be a couple of years before that's out? Uh, it kind of depends on. <laughs> yeah, it on sure does. Doesn't I it? Once, I, once I get going, I'm hoping maybe <laughs> next year, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I don't want to put pressure on you and say hurry up. <laughs> but also, if you can hurry up, that would be great. Yeah, but the talks, the, the updated talks are, will be available. In fact, the first ones, those will be coming up in Boulder. I'll do those also at Fisk Planetarium in November. Oh, perfect. And again, I can come do those wherever you want around the country. So That is fantastic. What a wonderful offer. And if people haven't been to Boulder, they should visit because, as you and I know, Colorado is a awesome great place. place. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you for this time so much. This has been really illuminating and fun. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Ask a Librarian. As always, it's my joy to share and learn with you. You can follow me on Instagram at Julie Writes Words, or you can go to my website, juliewritewords.com. There you'll find the show notes, including all the books mentioned in the episode. See you in the stacks next week. And until then, friends, never go anywhere without a book.